0: this uh, audience this may sound hard to believe but I truly did not know what team roping was I didn't know what the NFR was I didn't know anything about any of those things
1: this is Chelsea Schaefer and this is season four of The Score you all have listened to this podcast three quarters of a million times and we are here in season four to bring you even more of what you love. Hey everyone, welcome to The Score. Over the last two decades, we've written both in passing and in earnest about Patrick Smith's life story. But I don't take for granted that everyone listening to this podcast, especially the next generation of ropers out there, has read every word we've ever written or heard every story we've ever produced in video. So this is the first time Patrick and I have sat down on this podcast to go over his very unconventional road to two gold buckles, George Strait wins and BFI wins and millions of dollars in career earnings. His story is so remarkable to me, and it's as remarkable, perhaps, as the character he possesses that's got him to this point. I think this interview shows a lot of that, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Hey everyone, before we get started on today's episode, I've got to tell you about our friends at Roper Apparel and Footwear. They are the sponsors of today's episode, and for a limited time, they're giving you 30% off your entire Roper purchase with the code Patrick30. That's capital P A T R I C K 30. Find more about Roper in the middle of the episode. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. good, good. It sounds like you're in a tunnel. Can you hear me? Good are you losing? No, but it sounds like you're, like, really muffled.
0: Hey, there you are. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> Was that, is that better?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, that's crystal clear yeah, now. I don't know
0: what that, I don't know what that connected to, but it went to some little headphones or something. <laughs> so, the way I sound, I'm in the truck, my mm-hmm. service at my house is terrible, and I'm afraid it will drop the call, so I
1: went where I know I won't, but I need to, is this clear enough for you? Yep, it's clear. <laughs> It's okay. clear, so we can start whenever you're ready.
0: We're podcasting.
1: We're podcasting. We're recording. <laughs> okay. So, Good what, what do you have going on this morning that you're available for 30 minutes to talk to me?
0: Uh, well, uh, we're getting ready for your kind of weather, Colorado type weather. It's uh, We've got a, a low of zero degrees here Monday, mm-hmm. and I don't know that I've ever seen
1: that here, but... Uh, there's already, I heard a rumor a minute ago that there's over a 100 car pile up in downtown Fort Worth this morning, and uh, I'm up in Jackson, Mississippi tomorrow, so I'm sitting here trying to figure all that out, too. Yeah, like, is it going to freeze on the bayou in, in Jackson, Mississippi? Is it going to be, <laughs> what's that going to be like? <laughs>
0: have no idea, I just know that between here and there, it's looking like it's not going to be very fun, so I want to see uh, my second partner, Tyler Wade, he's up there tonight, mm-hmm. so. I'm going to let him be the guinea pig. I'll call him the night and ask him how
1: it was. He's a brave little buckaroo. It's, he's a good right. guinea pig. <laughs> That's right. Um, so let's talk. Let's. Let, I think I talked to you earlier. I want to talk about your history because even though we've had you, we've only had you on this podcast before to talk about Amigo when we did a whole episode on Amigo, but you and I have never as many times as I've interviewed you uh once a week for the last 11 years it feels like. Um, I don't think we've ever had you on this podcast. So I want you to tell me about your history. I want to go over stuff in the breeding business and also people said they want to hear about how you're balancing business um, and life and roping. But first, what's going on this year in rodeo with you? Who are you roping with? What horses are in the trailer? Give me that breakdown.
0: Okay, well, for this year um, I'm roping with uh the kid that won the rookie of the year last year Tanner Tomlinson mm-hmm. and the kind of the way that I've said that is I have a lot of people ask me who I'm roping with and I say well you may not have heard of him yet but uh get used to his name because you're going to hear of him for a really long time he's one of the most talented individuals I've ever seen with a rope it just seems like um every day the team roping just continues to evolve it, once a decade, it seems like there's a team that comes along or a header or a healer that just continues to change the game. And, you know, you've got your Dustin Squeezes and uh, Tyler Wades that are they've mastered reaching, you know, Caleb Driggers.
2: So many of those guys that are changing the game as far as the way they go at the barrier and the way that they use their rope. And uh, Tanner's right there with them. He's a, he's a new guy that it's it's honestly unbelievable what he can do with a rope. When he's 20 years old mm-hmm. um when i was 20 i was still trying to figure out how to keep one leg on each side of the horse so <laughs> uh still struggling with that sometimes um <laughs> but no I, i'm super excited about ruffling with him it's crazy how fast time flies mm-hmm. um i just turned 41
0: just a few days ago and uh man it's amazing when i got my start i think t woolman was my, uh i think he was eight years older than me, he was either 48 or 49, somewhere right around there, Mm -hmm. when he and I started roping, uh, and it was my rookie year. So the tables have turned, but, you know, as I tell all these young kids, be careful what you make fun of when you're making fun of old people because what's new today is old tomorrow, so you're on your way too. Um, (laughs) It it doesn't take long, but uh, I'm excited. It's it's fun to rope with somebody like him just because every time I back in there, I know that uh,
1: I'm going to have a chance to – to win first, because there's no doubt about yeah. what he's fixing to try to do. Well, tell me, yeah. what's that like? Does he come practice with you, or, or do you guys keep your keep your distance and, and just show up at the rodeos and rope? What's it What's it been like?
0: No, well, as far as showing up at the rodeos, I mean, obviously being 2020 now rolled into 2021 <laughs> with with the uh, COVID things, um, we've been to two rodeos. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, We don't have much history together yet. We've done some jackpotting and done a little good there. uh, He lives in Angleton, which is down by Houston. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, he he does come up and stay in this area. I know he's been hanging out with Dustin and Squeeze a lot. and uh, Him and Dustin actually both came and wrote the other day. But he does. He's actually got 20 head of steers that he owns at my house. and uh, He comes over and we practice quite a bit. And then he'll go home for a few days and come back up because, man, here lately there's – five or six jackpots a week to go yeah. to so he'll just kind of come up here and stay and we'll go to some of these rodeos while we're waiting on rodeos to kick back off and, you know. but it, it's been fun i'm looking forward to the year i'm just ready to get kicked off it's i was telling him the other day we went to rapid city and uh he hit the pole right in the middle of his delivery you know again for those of you that haven't seen me head that's never been a danger for me <laughs> of hitting the panel with my swing when i'm trying to head but for guys like him he was, he was literally throwing before he was out of the box and hit, his, hit the tip of his rope on the pole. And it just feels devastating to you when you mess up like that and you've only got to go to two rodeos all year. But I told him, I said, man, when this kicks off, and mistakes when there's five or six rodeos a week don't hit you near as hard as when there's one rodeo a month. Mm-hmm. So you got to have a big-picture mentality and understand that we're going to get to 70 rodeos this year, and that's just one of them. So... Uh, you know, I'm excited for it to kick off and hopefully this summer be rodeo full time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I told you we we're gonna talk about uh your past and you said when you were twenty you were trying to keep uh your legs on both sides of the horse. You kinda of were. That that isn't like a complete exaggeration, right? When did you start roping? It wasn't it wasn't bright and early in junior rodeo like a lot of other guys.
0: Right. Well so to give you a quick rundown for the the quick version of my story, yes, I was I was born and raised in Midland, Texas, and until I was 13 years old, I lived in a a little townhouse in town. My dad worked uh, for a heating and air conditioning business that him and his brother and my grandfather uh, they all owned that business, and it was just a mom and pop shop. And they all worked their tails off every year. Um, and my mom was a school teacher. At a private Christian school for zero dollars, it was just the place we went to church mm-hmm. uh, and they started a private Christian school there and there were six kids in my class. My mom was actually my kinder or not my kindergarten my first grade teacher uh, when I was going to school so things were really slim mm-hmm. growing up my, uh, my mom and dad are, are the best parents in the world. Um, they worked really hard, but we lived week to week. You know, I'm not going to paint a sob story because we had a good life. And my dad, like I said, my dad worked and my mom taught school and uh, I just was raised in town. Never been around horses. I never had anything else going on. My school was too small for sports. So my cousins and everybody around me rode motorcycles. So I got into that in my earlier years and into my early teenage years and rode motorcycles and four wheelers a lot. Uh, that's just kind of what we did and then like every kid I always wanted to ride a horse and there was a couple that moved from California that were actually the it was the son of the pastor of the church we went to and he moved from California him and his wife Stan and Laura Lee McNerlin, and they team roped and their kids started going to school and she put a flyer up saying that they were going to get riding lessons and if I'm not mistaken it was 10 or 15 dollars for a two-hour riding lesson. It was something crazy back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I told my mom and dad that I wanted to do that, so I started taking some riding lessons when I was 16. And we moved out to the country when I was about 13 years old. And I say the country, we moved to a nine-acre place that used to be my grandparents. They moved to town. And we kind of took over that, where the business was. And my dad took over the air-conditioning business at that time. So throughout high school, I roped. I worked. Um, I worked for my dad. I went to work for another uh, small oil field service company out there. Um, I worked for my brother um, at a cable company until I got fired because I went to break in steers after lunch, and didn't come back to work. That is a true story. <laughs> I was fired, fired by my own brother. But j- jumping around real quick, I, I started riding lessons at sixteen. Fell in love with it. I love the horses. I love being around it but knew absolutely nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I worked out a deal and I started going out every day after school and I would help them with riding lessons and they would help me for free. Well, this to this uh, audience, this may sound hard to believe, but I truly did not know what team roping was. I didn't know what the NFR was. I didn't know anything about any of those things. So, when I saw them roping the dummy, it was crazy to me. I'm like, what y'all, what is this? Like, what are y'all doing? It was a bale of hay with a steer head in it. Mm-hmm. And Stan started showing me, and then they were roping one day, and he said, you'll have to come out when we rope. And, man, I just wanted to do it. It looked fun, and I had no idea what an addiction I was fixing to take on because once I started learning to ride, they would not let me learn to rope other than on the ground. So I would take a riding lesson, learn to ride a little bit, then I would go stand and rope the dummy. And Stan used to get his... He had a folding chair outside, and he'd sit in the folding chair right in front of the dummy. And uh, awesome guy. He'd tell me how how dumb I looked and what I was doing wrong. And he was pretty he was pretty hard about it, but he he knew exactly what he was talking about. And you know, I owe so much to both of them for what they did, uh, getting me kicked off in the right direction and, and learning the the correct way to do everything with a horse and swing a rope and all of those things. But that's how I got my start, and then from there I fell in love with it.
1: And when did you... So, at what point... How old were you when you showed up at Allen Box and, and got involved with Al?
0: So, in 2001, I, would, I was 21 years old. I had met Bobby Boyd, who's a veterinarian out there in Midland. And he's... Mm-hmm. Those of you that rodeo... A lot of people know Bobby Boyd. He's rodeoed. Been at the VFI many times. Super great guy. Um, I actually got hired by him to kind of take care of his horses at his place and help him, you know, his work schedule, had him to where if he had somebody that could saddle the head horses, wrap the steers, and have the pins cleaned and stuff when he got home and then turn steers for me, it was a great deal. I made like a couple hundred bucks a week and got to rope six, seven days a week, and when he got home from work, I had his horses ready, pins cleaned, horses fed, and I had a heel horse saddle, and we roped every night. so about that time is when I met Alan Bach I met Clay O'Brien Cooper um, I'll never forget that year Bobby was entered in the rodeo in Odessa and he took me with him and I took a rope bag and I still have it and I got it autographed by Jake Barnes Steve Priscilla Steve Northcott Clay O'Brien Cooper um, Alan Bach and I met all of them and I had that horse that I won my first world title on uh, named Jaws, he was five years old. Well, I had him. Well, those guys ended up, Cleo and Allenbach and Jake ended up staying at Bobby Boyd's place. So the next day I was out there and we were practicing and I was working to shoot for them. And Still to this day, one of my heroes, Clay Cooper, it was the, the those moments you never forget no matter how old you are. He said, well, hey, it's your turn. I want to see you heal some. And, I mean, you can imagine what was going through my head. That was the last thing I wanted to do after watching these guys rope was get on and rope in front of them. And uh, But I backed in there with Alan Box standing out there hazing, Jake Barnes watching, and Clay Brown Cooper opening the gate. So when I did, Alan started talking to me about my horse. He really liked my horse, and we just kind of hit it off and got to know each other. And then he said, man, you ought to come down to my place. He had a bunch of horses he was trying to sell, and like 25 head of them. Uh, so I moved down there and uh, moved into his place and started helping him take care of it and we did some trade out I would I would ride and rope on however many horses a day and then when he was around I would work the shoots for him and watch him and he would teach me things and then at the end of the day he always took time to let me rope some steers and give me some pointers and it was something that uh, that's what kind of kicked off my career as far as I knew this is what I wanted to do um, and ultimately Later on, uh, down the road in 2003, he was the one that introduced me uh, to T. Woolman. I mean, Gary Poitras was also uh, into in in 2002. uh, Was introduced to me by Alan Bach, and Gary took me on the road and took me to my first rodeos. And he's the one I filled my permit with and learned a lot from. And then the following year. Uh, Alan made the call to T and said, hey, I got a kid that I think you might be interested in roping with. He's got a really good horse. And that horse is what T-Woman at that time told me was a tiebreaker because it was between me and two other healers that were a little more proven than I was. But he said, I like your horse the best, so let's give this a shot.
1: Wow. I just feel so, like I, I've as many times as I've heard your story, I did, never, I did not realize Gary Poitras was part of it. That's super cool. Yep. Yeah. Um, he's, he was on a, he works for, obviously works for a company and was on a previous episode of this podcast and is the, for anybody who doesn't know who Gary is, the godfather, um, with Denny Gendry's partnership of the number system. So, uh, pretty, pretty cool there. And, and also was a great, great header himself. Um, yep. and then when, at what point were you working at Chili's? Was that to so buy that, Jaws? That was when I
0: bought Jaws, it was probably in 2000. Um Trevor and I always had a running joke that that's, that's how I learned to trade because he always said I was one of the best trade guys in rodeo. and uh, You know, like when you draw up at a rodeo, you have a certain amount of time that you can trade. So if I get up on Friday night and need Saturday night, you can get a hold of those guys that are up on Saturday and try to work a trade with them. And uh, that was where I learned to do it because once I started working at Chili's, I decided to do that after my brother had fired me because everybody team up during the day. And I thought, man, I
2: I can't work during the day. These guys are getting better than me. They're all practicing and I'm waiting tables. So my job at Chili's, uh, it probably has been embellished on a little bit. I did work there. I did get the job to to make my horse payment, but I only worked there for like four months because same thing. As soon as I got enough money and went somewhere and won something, I quit because I thought I was... Uh, you know, home free. I'd win twenty five hundred dollars at a jackpot or something. Because you're a team never seen another, yeah. Never yeah. seen another broke <laughs> Uh So, but I used to. Man, I I swear, working at Chili's cost me money because I spent more time trading off of my shift because there was a roping or a jackpot or uh, <laughs> amateur rodeo or something to go to. So I would have a shift
0: on Friday night, and I'm like, man, I can't go on Friday night. And I would end up going and begging people to take my shift. And they're like, I can't. And I'm like, I'll give you $30 $30 if you'll take my shift. So I think it cost me money to do it. But I learned a lot during that. And uh, I did. I, I, I got that horse. I could go on and on. But I got that horse, Jaws, because of Bobby Boyd. He's the one that had him. He's Mm -hmm. the one that got me my, my, he co-signed on the finance for me, which was a $6,000 loan Mm -hmm. (laughs) at a a bank. And my deal was if I missed one payment, I lost the horse and all the equity I had in the horse. And uh, Bobby taught me about business and he put his name on that dotted line and that's the only reason I was able to get him. And, uh, you know, he and I are to this day really good friends and uh, joke about that. The same thing with Gary Poitras. Gary's been such an impact on my rodeo life and the start that I got him and Gene. Um, You know, it's amazing when you sit here and tell these stories, you know, it's, it's about me and about my life and my success throughout rodeo. But there are so many people that are tied to it that you'd be nothing without. So I always want to try to make sure I give them the credit that they deserve because those guys taking a chance on me, Bobby and Gary and Allen Bach t woman, all of them. I mean, there's no way we'd be on this call if it wasn't for them. Yeah, as you're out. talking,
1: I'm, I'm amazed at the connections I, I wasn't aware of uh, as you're telling these yeah. stories. That's super cool. Today's episode is brought to you by Roper Apparel. You can find all of your favorite Roper Apparel and footwear styles at www.eroper.com. And for a limited time, you can take 30% off your entire Roper purchase with the code PATRICK30. That's free standard shipping within the continental U.S. on all orders over $125 and 30% off the entire order using the code PATRICK30. You'll find something for the entire family at eroper.com. And from work to play, Roper has a wide variety of both footwear and apparel for every aspect of life. From casual footwear to fashion-forward boots, they've got you covered. Roper is a proud sponsor of world champion team ropers Patrick Smith, Clay Tryon, and other rodeo world champions. Wear Roper, wear the West. And then, I mean, it's always been a running joke uh, around back in the spin-to-win days and the, <laughs> with Trevor, you didn't, like, when people say you didn't know anything about rodeo or you when you say that, like, you didn't know how to dress either, right? Like, you weren't Mr. Stylish cowboy cool. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but
0: all I can say is maybe I thought it was cool, but no, so... <laughs> This will get, this will get a laugh and it, and it is the truth. So when we had my high school prom with all 40 kids in my entire school from kindergarten through, uh, 12th grade, uh, I literally had the Brooks and Dunn shirt. I went to, uh, the Western store downtown. I got the shirt that was half blue, half white. (laughs) I got a tacoed out felt hat and the best part of it all of all of it was I got my first belt buckle and it really was the belt buckle with the eagle on it (laughs) and that's what I wore to the high school prom because I was a a cowboy now I was a team (laughs) roper but
1: you wore that hat at your first NFR though didn't you
0: (laughs) pretty close pretty (laughs) close and yeah I had no idea everybody was laughing at me when you don't know I mean, it would be no different than me today going to a, you know, surfing competition or something and deciding I was going to get involved with the best, and I would get laughed out of there. But I literally knew nothing, and, and the difference in me was nobody in my family knew anything either. You know, my grandparents told me how good I looked when I put that shirt on, and my mom and dad thought, oh, look, yeah, I mean, he's a cowboy now. So then you've got people like Trevor that have done it their whole life that are making fun of me. To yeah. this day, and, and they hold on to those pictures, and they've got them in their own album where we can pull them out every now and then. So it's it's funny looking back, but in my defense, I was a cut-off sleeve, shorts, uh, I'm talking about, we took, my brother did it growing up, and I thought it was cool, and I had a really, really short flat top, cut-off sleeves, shorts, tennis shoes, and road motorcycles. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I did was get on a horse and got involved, and I had no idea where I was headed or what I was doing. And even when I started out, I had no idea. I mean, I was the most gullible human being in the world. Um, they played jokes on me all the time. That just because I was truly that naive to all of us.
1: Hmm. I know you're such a good sport. You really, you really, really are. <laughs> <laughs> I've got them back
0: years
1: a few, so I've got, I've got to get, get them back <laughs> Good. All right, so fast forward, I mean, I, I think th- the middle part of your story is the part that everybody knows, uh, you know, you've won a world title with Clay Tryon, then, and won a world title with Trevor, um, now, after you and Trevor quit roping, the, you know, things changed, lots of life changed, you got, you got into the oil business, Tell me about that decision, and how much time, we've, we've written about that before, how much time is Driven Services taking out of your day-to-day right now?
0: It takes a lot, but um, I did make that decision, and really, I was probably at the peak of my career when I was, things were going really well, I had the best partners, um, had great horses, I had Amigo, he was in his prime. Um, I was doing my, had started doing the DVDs, and they were a huge success, and You know, just had a lot of things going. But the the truth of the matter was I've seen this movie before. Uh, I've seen so many guys that were so good at what they did and some of the most talented, greatest of all time guys. And when time catches up, man, rodeo is very unforgiving. It it, it doesn't leave a place for you. It doesn't uh, send you thank you cards, nothing. I mean, you don't get – you get pushed out and you're done. And I feel like it's that way in any sport. Mm-hmm. um i just feel like we don't hear that side of it a lot i don't care if it's basketball or football we could you and i could pull up stats and start naming off some of the greatest basketball players and uh in history and aside from michael jordan or you know somebody like that you you would even forget their names and not feel like oh man i, I didn't know that guy had those kind of stats or i didn't know this mm-hmm. it's the same it's the same way in rodeo and i wanted to use this portion of my life to try to build a little bit of of a foundation um, that hopefully one day if I didn't want to rodeo I didn't have to rodeo if I didn't want to do schools I didn't have to do them because to me that's what turns so many people bitter at their passion What what you used to love and what you used to do anything for becomes a job and once it becomes a job and it's something you're forced to do you lose that that love for it and that's something that I just didn't want to do and I always told my wife Christy when when we first got married I just said you know I'm I'm a big faith guy and a believer and I said I just I believe the Lord will open doors for us if we're diligent about things and I've made mistakes I've got into things I shouldn't I have uh, as far as business deals and I've trailed off and maybe got myself too busy where it hindered me over here over there but it's no different than rodeo I've made mistakes and missed and bought the right horses or wrong horses rode the wrong horses whatever and many times but you just have to learn and keep going but that's where Driven started so mm-hmm. it started it started with DVD um, and we named it Driven and then that branched into a business where I got in with one of my best friends and ended up being a couple of my best friends now and Trevor uh, is, is also a partner in that and we we all and he's one of them too. One of my best friends. But we've all we all kind of have done well together, worked well together, decided to do it. Started with a small rental deal, and then my brother went to work there. My sister went to work there. Uh, we branched out and grew into you know nearly a hundred employees before this uh, COVID thing hit, and now we're battling back from that. But it's it's been a challenge that I've enjoyed, and it's the exact same story. It's funny how parallel things in life are, but without the people that are around me, without the friends and the, the, the good employees and people that are passionate about it around me, I wouldn't have it. And, uh, but it does, it does take a lot of my day, but you'd be surprised how much of your day you have if you just <laughs> get rid of some of the, some of the nonsense and some of the things that you really spend a lot of time on. You know, if I'm focused and working hard at my riding and my roping and, my horses and things like that for a certain amount of time a day. Um, and then I turn and I spend that same amount of time on business. You you can do it. And that's why the name driven is there. It's about being driven and, you know, not slowing down, but, uh, capitalizing on everything that you're here to do. And that goes for being a father, for being a husband, for, um, being a friend, whatever you just, you can never do one thing without dropping the ball in the other area. Um, it's just really important that you don't drop the ball too many times, and uh, I'm definitely guilty of that. I've dropped the ball on my practices before, on my effort in my team roping, because I was more focused here and there, and it's something that I'm learning as I go, but I feel like I've got great people around me this year. I've got great partners, um, and I'm trying to really focus on making sure that I'm able to be the, the team roper that I want to be, um, the father, the husband, and the businessman that I want to be but all of that ties into one thing and that is the impact that that I'm here to leave and uh something that's a lot bigger than me this is not about me you know and that's to me that's the most important thing as long as we stay in that mindset
1: yeah and one thing I've admired about you is how you've you carry the principles that you use to learn to start roping um you, you've carried those same skills that you built when you were learning to start roping into learning to start a business in that you used all of your resources, you listened to podcasts, you listened to audiobooks, you, you kind of busted your butt trying to figure out how to make it work and that's that's how you, you've you kind of done that in every part of your life. Just So anyway, I've, I've always admired that about you, sir.
0: Well, thank you. And I've, I had a conversation yesterday with a friend and the... One of the things that I want to express is I don't care who it is listening, um, how late it is for you, how far in life you are. It's It doesn't matter. There's, not, there's nothing that I'm doing that's, you know, some secret. There's not a secret potion or there's not a secret this or I, I
2: didn't have this handed to me, but it's not about me. It's about what is the purpose of what you're doing this for because – Um, I've been so blessed to be around some of the most successful people, literally on, on earth. And, um, one of my
0: sponsors that I've got to know, and he, he probably would, he's one of the most humble human beings ever, but, um, I'm going to use him for an example. His name is Barry McGuire and he owns McGuire's wax, which is one of the largest, it's not one of, it is the largest car cleaning wax and accessories in the entire world. Um, and he's given me such good advice throughout the years. And, uh, one of the things that he said is be real careful what you wish for, what you pray for and what you work for, because in the end, I've seen so many people throughout my life and he's an older gentleman that's been there and done that, right? Traveled the world, um, has one of the most successful companies ever. And he said, I've watched and witnessed whether it's people chasing a gold buckle, whether it's people chasing a business, chasing a, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, I've watched them wish, pray and work their way into something that became the biggest curse that they've ever had. Whether that meant, um, families being broken, drugs, um, suicides, it, it didn't matter whatever it was. And he said, none of that, all of that came with it because of the wrong purpose. And so that's something that I try to be real careful of is, um, to make sure that I'm, I'm doing things for the right reason and that we have the foundation that I have in my faith. Um, and, you know, we all make mistakes and we all do things that we wish we could go back and undo. But in the end, if we're doing things for the right purpose and we, you know, we keep getting up and working our way towards it. But what I was trying to say is, I have so many people come up to me and say, man, your story is so cool. I wish I could have done this or I could have done this. That is one of the most hindering things to a person to me is when you wish you were more like them or you wish you could do this instead of taking it on yourself right then that I can do this, I'm going to start doing this. It's the, it's the little things that add up to the big things in the long run. And, um, I'm not, I'm not special. I'm not super talented. I just have disciplined myself in ways that everybody listening to me can do the same thing. And, Take advantage of things with your time and and your focus, but the only advice I can give is it doesn't matter how hard you're working or what you're doing, if you're doing it for the wrong purpose, it leads to a dead-end road, and that to me is where true joy and true peace comes from is when we're we're surrounding ourselves and motivating ourselves on a daily basis, it's got to be about more than just us.
1: I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you. Well, um, the last thing that I told you we were going to talk about um, is your other venture, your latest venture, I guess we can call it, and that's your stud. Tell me about Rooster and what your original motivations for buying Rooster and now what you've learned. Has it been three years that you've owned him? Yes. What you've learned about the breeding business in these last three years.
0: I think... um... The breeding business, I look just like I did with the eagle buckle and the taco hat on. <laughs> I had I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, I knew that it took a stud, and I knew that it took a mare. And then if you do things right, you get a baby. That's about it. But I'm learning how detailed it is and what all goes into it. Uh, I've never been big, and this is going to throw a lot of people off right here, So hear me out. I've never been big on papers because I was always wanting to win. I didn't care what was on their papers. If I got on the animal and he felt like what I was looking for, like when I bought Amigo, I didn't buy him for his papers. Jaws had no papers. Um, I didn't buy Rooster for his papers. I loved the way he felt. um, And I knew that I could win on him. But at the same time, he's the only horse I've ever had. He does have two ways of income. So, uh, Obviously, it was a big business decision, but it's been a success already, and I'm just now branching into um, kind of the vision that I have for it. We're, we're breeding back uh, eight mares of our own this year, and we're going to start the Raising Roosters program where we're going to start our own, try to start raising our own, training them, showing them at the real Force Maturity and building the name that he deserves because he really has flown under the radar. He's such an awesome animal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, He came from the, the stud. He goes all the way back to Hollywood, done it. He came out of random Adam's stud that him and his dad had that was such a success. He's, he's just an awesome horse. He's built right. He's sound. He's beautiful. He's, he's got so many things about him that are uh, attributes that he's been throwing on the babies that he's had. and um, So, we're going to do the same thing on the other side and get these mares gathered up that we want and crossbreed to some different, you know, uh, I've got metallic cat and a highbrow hickory and uh, all of these different ones that we're going to breed to. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's something that I want to do after my rodeo career, but I've kind of got to start now building building that up. And I've partnered with a good friend of mine in a ranch out in West Texas where we're going to uh, start down this road. And uh, I am selling, rooster breedings um as you know i'm doing some advertisement with you and we're running a yep. special this year yep. we're, we're going to do a breeding for 950 um dollars for the breeding fee and uh that's less than i've done the last couple of years and we've done we've been fairly successful but i just want to get his name out there and, and let people see what he's capable of and uh i'm excited over the next few years i think it's gonna it's gonna take off
1: yeah the we just did a Three-part series on the horse market, and I talked to, uh, you know, eight different people that are kind of that are really experts in the field, including you know your bestie Trevor. And you know the thing that everybody kept saying is supply and demand. There's such a supply and demand problem in the team roping market right now. There just are not enough young horses on the ground. So uh, sounds like you're you're doing your part there, uh, especially this year with with having your own mares. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it. I've never. It's it's honestly something I never thought I would get into, uh, but owning the stallion and, and knowing getting to know him and uh, what the industry is
0: calling for and now with the rope horse maturities, I don't I don't think this is going to go away. I think it's going to continue, and it's educating team ropers like myself about the importance of the breeding and what they go back to. And people are starting to learn. And there's so much with what you guys are doing now with the Breeders' Guide and all the information you're putting out. It's educating people. To, you know, when I when I went to Brazil and did the schools that I did down there, I'll never forget what it was like to see the horses. They didn't just have random great horses everywhere. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. Everything is just the bloodline. It's about the bloodline, and they're beautiful, and they've done they've done such a good job of main, you know managing that. And everybody knows, but they were so much more well educated on that stuff than we. I say we. There's a lot of people here that are, but I'm talking about people like myself, that all I cared about was if I could turn in and catch the two feet on mm-hmm. them,
2: And that still is there. I'm always going to buy a horse that I feel like is great in that way, but when it comes to the breeding and what they're doing and the value
0: that it brings to the table uh, now with all the rope horse maturity stuff coming up, and uh, it's an exciting thing. I think the industry is definitely changing and going that direction.
1: Well, perfect. That's awesome. Well, I told you, I know you're the busiest man in rodeo told you 30 minutes we're at 36 minutes so i will <laughs> i will let you go for the day you uh awesome. stay safe uh, on those roads don't let the 20 year old drive to the rodeo yeah no he can do it. he's he's already <laughs> back in south texas and then he's headed there we're up at san Antonio, uh, 22nd to 23rd so gotcha. try to get back and stay sharp for that i'm excited i'm ready for i'm ready for rodeo to kick off i'm, I'm ready for as everybody is for life to get back to as, as normal as we can and um, yeah, be
0: going to these rodeos. So
1: absolutely. Well, good luck, Patrick. Thank you so much. Yes. thank you, guys. All right, talk to you soon. Bye bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll talk at you soon. Thank you again to Roper Apparel and Footwear for sponsoring this episode. You'll find all the styles at www.eroper.com. And remember, for a limited time, you can take 30% off your entire Roper purchase with the code PATRICK30.